1: welcome to another mother runner this is sarah bowen shea and i'm joined by adrian martini welcome adrian
2: thank you sarah i'm right here in lovely oneonta new york nice nice has summer arrived there yet oh with a vengeance it went (laughs) from uh pretty much winter to 90 degrees Oh, yeah. so
1: the east coast specializes in doing that
2: it really does it's it's our thing you know i'll <laughs> have to have a thing this is ours uh yeah i went for my first heat hot humid gross long run on saturday uh-huh. uh wish i'd left an hour earlier than i did by the time i got home i was just a Drowned rat apparently <laughs> just kind of lay down on the floor for
1: a while. So, oh my gosh! Well, I am entering the the oven so to speak. Um, as we record this on June first, I am flying tonight on a red eye to Maryland so that I Oof. can um, MC the Zuma Annapolis race. I'm very excited right. to go back to there, and I am staying in Chevy Chase with my best friend from high school. Who I'd give a shout out to, but I don't think she listens to the podcast. (laughs) Um, So, um, but I am then on Sunday evening having dinner with a couple of um, mother runners, including Jen Rucker, who I know does listen to this podcast. So, whoa, whoa, Jen, and with our role mother triathlete with Sarah Wassner Flynn. And then, um, a guy friend of mine from way back when, um, and his wife, you
2: know, guys,
1: I I do actually have, it's funny. In My previous (laughs) life I actually had, I was friends with more men. Um, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, carry over from when I was a kid who I was, um, up until fifth grade, I only had one friend who was a girl and I had just tons of friends who were boys. Yeah. I was a little bit of a, um, uh, tomboy back in the day. So yeah. 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 So, um, so what have you been knitting of late?
2: Well, I currently have two projects going. Mm. Um I am working on a Fair Isle scarf. No way. Which is okay. Fair Isle oh, means please. two colors. Oh
1: I oh to me Fair Isle is like the I did not know that. It's uh you know, I grew up in the eighties, so I and in Connecticut. Enough right. said. I know so from Fair Isle sweaters. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's
2: that. hmm Oh, uh, oh mm hmm. But it's going to be a super long scarf. Mm -hmm. And I'm using a yarn that I absolutely love Mm -hmm. um, that has some cashmere in it. Ooh, soft. Um, Uh I know. All the knitters are like, ooh, that (laughs) sounds great. Um, So, But it's a project that's probably easily going to take me for the rest of the year. I kind of do a little bit of it and then put it down and do something else.
1: Do you you knit less as the weather heats
2: up? I do. Mm -hmm. I do. Because I'm a wuss. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because <laughs> I assume that knitting is a little warm because you got all that wool <laughs> yes. sitting in your lap or the yes. wool cashmere blend. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um. I mean, but here that's really only there's maybe two months where about it's five
1: minutes. Uh-huh,
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, it feels like about five minutes uh-huh. where it's really too warm to have all of that all over you. Uh-huh. Um. And then it turns. So.
1: It's kind of ironic, though, because as a needle pointer, I actually find that I needle point less in the summer, and it's not like I hold, you know, I have a bag of right. all my materials next to me. They're not in my lap. I mean, the canvas is, but it has holes in it, so it's ventilated, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, and, but uh, you know, I sort of feel like I should be doing more of it because it's longer daylight hours. Yeah,
2: but and, you also have other stuff to do in the summer, yeah, you know, yeah. so you can, can actually be in your yard and... Mm-hmm. Right. Do right. That stuff.
1: Yeah. I so, find that my l- thing I like doing lately is reading on our front porch in the evening. That um, sounds nice. Yeah. And because then, you know, the, the sound, the family sounds are very muffled when you're out <laughs> right. there. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah. So I was, um, when we were, uh, we we're driving back from. Uh, Let's Central Oregon, and I was like, oh. And Jack was driving. I thought, oh, I should have brought my needlepoint because I like needlepoint in the car because the light's really good. And and, um, but I was like, oh, yeah, no, I guess
2: I don't really needlepoint
1: very much now that it's summertime, and so yeah,
2: that's just the natural rhythm of crafting. You just don't do it as much in this in the summer when you have other stuff that you're doing. So
1: the ebb and flow of crafting. The
2: ebb and flow of your craft. So,
1: and what's your second project that you're working on? The
2: second project, it's actually a skirt. A skirt, get out of here! For uh, it, it's designed actually by a Pacific Northwest um, knitting designer. Hippie, uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Well, there are a lot of them out there. Uh, I was going to say that's
1: redundant. Uh huh.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I met her at a knitting retreat. And got to try the skirt on. And I never would have thought that I would be knitting a skirt.
1: Mm-hmm. I never would have thought it either, to tell you right? to tell you the <laughs> truth. I'm,
2: I'm totally with you. I am with you 100 percent Um, but I tried it on and I realized that it made my behind look absolutely fantastic. So Love that. I'm like, I this looks fun. So
1: I think you need to send me a link to that and I will okay. hyper hyperlink to it in <laughs> the description. So. I will do that so um so but you have been speaking of hot weather um and running you have been in a place that it's much warmer you've been out in florida with your mother so um how is she doing and um how did you feel about your running getting sidelined for about a week talk to us Uh, about all that
2: yeah um it got a little more intense than i'd anticipated um i went down because my mother lives in lee florida which is near nothing (laughs) um,
1: closest... <laughs> and that's not capital N, like it's
2: a town called nothing. No, 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 no. no I mean, it's it's nothing. Um, it's very scenic, but uh, nothing. The closest town is Valdosta, Georgia, which is still forty-five miles away.
1: And which still doesn't ring any bells. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> my apologies yeah. to the people who live there. <laughs>
2: Belfast is actually quite nice, um, as I. Got oh, I have to- no doubt
1: it's nice. It's just um, you know it doesn't have quite the name recognition as say a Chicago or a Detroit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um,
2: so you, f- I fly into um, Jacksonville, and then it's an hour and forty-five minute drive from mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. to my house. Okay. Um, so she just had to have, not just, but she had to have a heart catheterization because she had a weird little blip on a stress test. Mm -hmm. And we all thought, well, they'll just go in, they'll do that. They'll look around, maybe put a stent in, call it a day. Good enough. And she'll be back later that afternoon. Well, what happened was, and then I would fly out the next day. So what happened was they got in, they looked around and said, oh yeah, uh, you're going to need a quadruple quintuple quintuple bypass. whoa, Whoa, I thought you only had four chambers of the heart. See, that's what I thought too. So he showed me a diagram and I said, yep, that would be quintuple. Uh, So that kind of changed the circumstance quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. she had the bypass the next day. Wow. um, And I've, I mean, of course, rearranged everything um, so that I could be there pretty much then for the rest of that week. And then I absolutely had to get home. Mm -hmm. um so now she's doing all right for somebody who's just had a bypass Mm -hmm. um the number of bypasses really doesn't matter once they've kind of cracked your chest open you kind of you know whatever they're Mm -hmm. in there Mm -hmm. um uh, she's in a rehab center Mm -hmm. uh kind of getting her strength back and Mm -hmm. learning how to redo a bunch of stuff um Mm -hmm. and maybe going into assisted living uh a couple of weeks so Mm -hmm. It's been intense. Yeah. Uh, parents getting older. Sox. It's just rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: And it just keeps uh, happening. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. There's no reprieve from it.
2: Nope. Um, yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh-huh. But uh, when I was down there, so I wound up in Valdosta because that's where they did the heart cath. Oh, uh-huh. Um, and when it was, we discovered that she would be having the surgery there um, rather than drive the 45 minutes back and forth to her house I just got a hotel room in Valdosta mm-hmm. um, and also did things like I was near a Target and I realized I hadn't packed enough underpants so I had to go buy <laughs> underpants <laughs> uh, you know these things happen uh, and there's actually a wonderful group of soul sisters who uh, made sure that I felt well taken care of even though I Alone in duress, oh. uh, without clean underpants. So I do want to say thank you to all of them.
1: Oh, so so, some some of the women, some of the mother runners you've met through the community, or yep.
2: Oh, yep, that's awesome.
1: That's yeah, really it awesome.
2: Awesome.
1: Very nice, very yeah. nice.
2: So you know we're working through that. But on a happier note, mm-hmm. I want to know about how you're super duper duper long run with your friend will went. yes speaking of male friends look at that I I... <laughs> suddenly i sound like a woman who has loads of male friends <laughs>
1: Oh, miss me. <laughs> so yes so thanks for asking so will is our to recap to bring back the you know recurring character <laughs> of will um so he and i stand corrected he is running his first marathon on his 60th birthday which is the day before father's day okay. so i thought three stars were aligning just two are on the actual day
2: well, this is no
1: good yeah right <laughs> oh, and that's that story's blown um so but will lives up in seattle and so he's following a train like a mother plan. And I, he sometimes will call or text in a slight bit of a panic about some run that he's nervous about or something. So I was like, hey, Will. what?" And we love when Will visits. Just the whole family just loves it. And right. so he um, journeyed down for the weekend from Seattle, which is a quick three three-hour drive. Three miles, it's like three miles. Three miles. Yeah, did you know they were that close? Um a three-hour <laughs> drive, and so he came down on Friday night, and I served us a good pasta dish, and um, and he was very appreciative of that. And so then we set off the next morning and um, followed a course that um is somewhat um part of the Portland Marathon course. And so we were doing, we were doing well. And I, you know, I thought he started out a little fast. So I kind of reined him in a little bit on that. And I told him that we were running his pace. And so then he's at about eight and a half though. He had, um, he was calling it a hamstring Feeling right. strain in his hamstring, he kept pointing sort of toward. It looked a little bit like cross groin and hamstring, right. and so I thought, "Oh no, no, no! It's just way too early to be having right. something go wrong." <laughs> um, and um, I also knew that Jack was going to be out showing houses. He's a real estate agent, and so right. I thought, "Oh, the clock's ticking. Like if we're going to get a ride home, we gotta we gotta make a <laughs> call on this right now, <laughs> make it a determination." So we kept going, and just occasionally he'd have to stop to stretch it and. Um, Uh, So, and oh, he really loved the St. John's Bridge, which is the bridge you go across in the Portland Marathon. It was designed by the same architect who designed the Golden Gate Bridge. So it has very beautiful neoclassical lines and um, it's not orange. It's kind of a pale bluish greenish color. And so um, still stretched a couple times. And then he definitely was slowing down. And I have to say, it's unusual to run next to someone different when you're used to running next to a running partner. So I'm right. very, I didn't realize how much I'm accustomed. Molly has a very prancy style of step, very <laughs> light and fast on her feet. She's and
2: like a pony. She is. She is yes. like
1: a little show pony. And she has a very <laughs> unique way of holding her hands in a very, um, Almost dainty way, and um so then, so the, like the second I started out with will, I'm like, oh goodness, he shuffles a little bit with that one foot and he leans forward a lot more, and huh. so it's just like out of my peripheral vision, I could tell it wasn't my little prancy pony Molly, right. was, you know, kind of the more Clyde's daily will, even though he's probably weighs less than I do, I mean he's um a very fit guy, so Anyway, so I could tell that his shuffle, um, then again, fast forward to like about you know, mile 12, 13, 14, his shuffle was kind of coming back oh. and and with a little bit of a vengeance. And right. so I sometimes do these active drills. And I think I've said this before in the podcast when I was talking about Boston, but in it, the guy who leads the drills is the professional runner Dathan Ritzenhain. Right. And he will say, Oh, and you want to practice these so that if you need to change things up in a race, you can. And I always thought, Well, I'm not gonna do butt kicks in a race. Like, right. what's up with that? But what it means is that you break the kinetic chain that you're in, that your body is doing the same motion, and in this case shuffle, 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 over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And so I'm like, Hey, Will, let's skip. Right. And and he was very open to the whole thing. I mean, he really went in with a great attitude. And so we skipped. And when we hmm. stopped skipping, and you know, I don't know, maybe we did it for 20 steps, 30 steps. Right. Um, and when we stopped, the shuffle was gone. Huh. And so then a couple miles, you know, a mile or two later, I could hear the shuffle coming back. And I'm like, okay, let's time to skip. Because I just also thought, okay, I'm not going to try to teach them all the more. You know, we're not going to grapevine. We're not yeah. going to do, you know, <laughs> right, high right. knees or something that's really going <laughs> to yeah. tire us out. So skipping seemed to break that kinetic chain just dandy. And um, so we were... Probably by about, though... Oh, it was very fun. At mile 15, right around mile 15, we hear um, this cyclist come up and be like, Hey, what are you doing on the road? Da, 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 da. And we both turn and we're like, Hey, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> and She uh, she was messing with us and she figured... I had told her our route. So, she, I, you know, it's a common route. But I think she probably was like, Oh, maybe I'll see Sarah and Will. And um, um, I do have to share a few tales. Um, one she- was... Oh, Hang
2: God. on, did she sprinkle change in front of you
1: oh, you? oh my gosh. Okay. Well, so the two things that, because people are going to ask, I got to tell a story about change and about um, peeing. So, you know, um, here I am with a guy. And, and so we'll, within the first 30 steps is like, hey, you know, I do this when I run until he totally does a snot rocket. He's like, <laughs> and, and he's divorced. And his girlfriend's name is Kathy. And I love Kathy. And he's like, Kathy, it really bothers Kathy when I do that. I'm like, dude, I love that. I'm so right. all, all, all about that. So... Um, so he was snot rocketing, but so I had stopped maybe at mile, I don't know, eight or nine and gone into a cafe and used their restroom. And then at mile 15, I was like, well, I sort of got to pee. Like I don't have to pee a lot, but it would be nice. And so we had stopped to goo. And so there was a, um, oh gosh, what a guardrail. Oh, right. And so I was like, "Oh, I've got a new way of doing this And so I just put positioned myself so that my bum was on the one side of the guardrail and my feet and most of my legs were on the other oh, side yeah. and just peed right through my caprice and the guardrail served as like a little you know barrier for stopping yes. <laughs> stopping things. <laughs> And so, oh, and
2: this, Sarah.
1: And so this is when he's like, right wills like right there we're talking, we're going. Right. <laughs> uh, but so then so w- both of us, both of us were totally looking for change. Right, and so maybe a mile after the peeing stop, um, pee the pee goo stop, um, we were get, got to an intersection, and there was a um, plaid pantry, which is kind of like a Seven Eleven or Cumberland okay. Farms, and okay. a convenience store. That is the generic term for what it was. And uh, so there was a light there, and I said, Hey, Will, you know, go, you know, go press the walk signal, and I'm gonna look through this parking lot for change. So I do that, and he is very fastidious about throwing out his goo wrappers. Right. And so he saw... As
2: a, one should be. Yes.
1: yeah. But versus, I like, I put another one in my pocket or something, right. you know, for him. And so, um, because my bull, sock and bullet capris have right. these lovely big pockets. I love those pockets. <laughs> and, uh, so he walks toward this garbage can that was on the other side of a bus shelter. And as he's walking past the bus, bus shelter, he sees a penny. And I'm like, no way. You wouldn't have seen that if I hadn't looked through the the parking lot. You ought to give that to me. And he's like, no, it's mine. Oh, good. <laughs> so then we run a little bit further. And this is a true Portland story because there was, unfortunately, there was a um, homeless woman sleeping on the curb. Right. And so we look at her, to, you know, sort of to make sure she's okay. And there, right next to her, is a shiny quarter. And, and I was like, so Will was like, keep running, Sarah, just keep running. You can't pick that quarter up. Like I didn't say it out loud, but he knew. So then finally at around, I don't know, mile 18, I found a penny. And then at mile like 19.9, I found my own quarter that did not possibly belong to a homeless person.
2: But and the universe said, "Good, Sarah.
1: Yes. Good." So, and um, oh my gosh, I have to give kudos to Will because I stupidly turned off my GPS at one point at a light, and I, oh, at that light where he found the penny, I was so distracted by the arguing over it that I didn't turn <laughs> it back on for about a third of a mile. And then I'm like, oh, Will, I'm so sorry because I got to run until it says 20. Like, right. uh, and I was like, so we debated whether, you know, whether I should run ahead and come back because his pace definitely slowed down considerably. And I could have, you know, done, a added on a third of a mile and still not right. really gone ahead have him. And so, but he was like, I'm going to wait till ni- mile 19 to see how I feel. I'm gonna wait. Cause I'm like, cause I really want us to finish together. Right. And at mile 19, he said, nope, we're going the whole, you know, we're going until your GPS says 20. And at gosh, at like mile, like, I start or like 19 and three quarters I'm like come on Will stay with me stay with me because by that point he was anywhere from five steps to half a block behind me right and um I'm like come on stay with me we're gonna finish this thing strong I was just like saying anything that came into my mind
2: exactly Then,
1: like I don't know I don't know 200 meters to go suddenly a fire gets lit under Will (laughs) and he takes (laughs) off and it's on this curve and I'm like, we to just sprint to catch up with them. <laughs> we were just so excited and he was so proud and I was yeah. so proud of him. And we did um, the active drills with the dynamic flexibility before and after. And he was like, the next day he's like, I feel so good. And, um, and he works with a bunch of runners and one of whom was going to be a pacer for the 315 group in a marathon. So that means that dude can probably run a sub three marathon, right? Yeah, easily. So he runs with all these, you know, people. And I talked to him maybe four days later. He's like, I've been telling everybody in my office about the run and how well we did. And so it it was very rewarding. And what I have learned is when you run at a significantly slower pace than your own, It feels really great. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it really does. Yeah. (laughs) Although there aren't many who have slower paces than me. I have done it on occasion. Right.
1: right, And I just, I mean, I was so, and it was just so exciting to share it with him. And it was a great day for running. It was overcast and the rain held off and it was just, and I was, I was actually feeling peppy the entire way. Um so which maybe makes people want to throw their phone to the ground well, and step
2: sometimes. on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, So when I'm doing my 20 milers in prep for the New York City Marathon are you going to come out and be peppy? Is that oh. your uh, is that your plan?
1: Uh well I think you might, you know, bonk me on the head. So <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, my, my marathon mantra, shut up, shut
1: up, shut <laughs> up. Excellent mantra. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, there's there's no kind of natural lead in from our conversation about no. 20 milers into our sure. topic. So our show today is about a topic I've wanted to cover for about two years, ever since I went on a group run with our second guest, Doa El-Hagan. With Doaa and our first guest, who is one of the founders of the Muslimas on the Run, we're going to talk about, well, running while Muslim. The practical aspects as well as the societal ones, too. But first, we're going to take a break. Please stay with us.
3: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming
0: film, If Only in Theaters, it's May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: So I want to welcome Monica Wallace, who is one of the co-founders of a group called Muslimas on the Run, which aims to foster a strong sisterhood of Muslim women through movement. Thank you for joining us, Monica.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So first up, please tell us about yourself, such as where you live, how many kids you have, and if you work outside the home other than organizing Muslimas on the Run.
0: Sure. And um, again, thanks for having me on the program. I'm pretty excited to kind of Help uh, explain, Muslim is going to run the organization, but a little bit about myself. I'm actually a mother of three, mm-hmm. a mother and a wife of three children. Um, I live right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, in a, in a little town called Harry. Um, so if you're familiar with Duke, UNC, and that big oh. rivalry, I'm all in the mix of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm originally um, from Philadelphia, born and raised, and I relocated here about 10 years ago. Um, and this is where I've made my home. Um, I have two uh, teenagers, um, one that will be graduating from high school next year and one is just starting high school. And then I have an older uh, adult, uh, a son who uh, has struck out on his own. Um, and so I have two kids here in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, by day, I work actually for a health insurance company, working on a lot of managed care, health care regulatory policy initiatives mm-hmm. um, and at night, I'm that mom and you know wife that uh, many of us live those dull lives. Um, but that's that's a little bit about me.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So now that we know a little bit about you, can you tell us about your running? When did you start sure. and why?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I began my running journey in 2012, so it's it's a very um, I'm very new. I like to say I'm still new to the whole running world. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I I never ran in high school or you know I, I ran around obviously as a kid younger, but I was not um, active in any type of organized sports or just physical activity for most of my life. Um, probably, a, you know. Early two thousand and twelve, you know trying to lose weight and trying to really combat the onset of you know obesity related diabetes is what kind of set me out on the on the pavement, picking up pounds over the years and not understanding the implications it was having on my health, you know going to my doctor and, and knowing and being told that I was borderline you know um, yeah, obese and would have obesity related diabetes if I did not really take charge of my health, set me out on the pavement. I'm married to a runner, and my mm-hmm. husband, when we met, you know, he ran probably about five miles every day, and I always thought he was just crazy. Um, <laughs> and the idea, of, <laughs> the idea of running one mile, let alone five miles, just really—I just didn't think it was. It it was just the craziest thing in the world. Um, But I really, you know, wanted to see my children grow, um, and I wanted to avoid sticking a needle in in, in me every day. So I got out on the pavement, and I started actually running with an organization called Black Girls Run. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, you know, kind of other women in my neighborhood um, on the same mission. Um, They have a great model of the whole leave no woman behind. So I felt I didn't feel out of place. Um, you know, I could kind of go at my pace and be supportive and meet other moms just like me who were, you know, some who were already active and some who were just getting off the couch. Um, And I did that and I began to sort of, these, uh, this bonding time right before, you know, the day gets started. We would meet early in the morning. Um, and I actually enjoyed the social connection more so than I enjoyed the running part. Mm-hmm. Um, but lo and, be- lo and behold, you know, after a few months, I just kind of got hooked. You know, I, re- I, re- like I was having a great time, you know, meeting new people. Um, and I also, you know, was, it was yielding results. I began to lose weight. You know, my um, glucose levels um, leveled out went back nice. to my doctor and she said whatever you're doing she's doing
1: it oh that's fantastic wow that's great yeah that's awesome. So it's interesting that you bring up um, Black Girls on the Run because I sort of wondered whether Muslimas on the Run was kind of inspired by that. And and um, mm-hmm. if you could if you could kind of tell us about the the start of it. And uh, we know it was founded sure. less than three years ago there in North Carolina, but it has already expanded to places like Atlanta, Seattle, and Detroit. And and I'm going to just admit up front that and I'm kind of shamefaced to admit that when I first learned about your group, I thought the word muslimas was kind of a clever portmanteau of the word muslim and mama but then i have Ah. i I was like oh that's perfect and then i have um come to realize it's a word that means a a female muslim so um so if you could if you could tell us about the the genesis of your of your group sure
0: um and you know, Black Girls Run definitely was the inspiration for, for starting Muslimas on Iran. run. Um, being African-American myself, that, you know, when I joined that group and I began to, once I got hooked, and I actually ran my first 10K race at the... Uh, um, inaugural Black Girls Run 10K that they now have every year um, in Atlanta. That was Mm -hmm. my very first organized race event. And of course I was hooked after that. But one of the things that was so inspiring for me was just not feeling like the odd man out, feeling feeling, you know, part of a larger organization because I saw other people who look like me. Mm-hmm. Um in most organized race events, you know, the African American presence, especially before Black Girls Run, was very, you know, few and far between. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so just seeing other women looking like me really inspired me. And, you know, it wasn't until maybe six months after I did that first race that I began to look for other Muslim women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, you know, I, I wear the hijab, which is the Muslim um a specific style of dress that Muslim women wear where we cover, you know, most of our body, you know, our skin is not exposed, our hair is not exposed. So even though I found sort of my my niche or my home with feeling comfortable not being the only African American, I still felt that I'm alone and so to speak, because I was the only, you know, Muslim woman that I could visibly, you know, identify with at some of these races. Um, So I I began just kind of talking to people in my community, other Muslim women who, you know, have the sort of same issues I have, you know, they're busy moms and wives, they may have, you know, health problems that they're, you know, not really being very successful at at challenging. And I, you know, began to talk to them and say, hey, why don't you come out on a run with me? Or, you know, I joined this organization. And obviously, Muslim women are all you know all ethnicities, ethnicities and backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about a large group of people. Mm-hmm. But the one I do, common factor was, you know, by and large, you know, the, the dress, the style of dress, as well as, you know, the the uniqueness um, that sometimes the Muslim woman um, faces su- certain barriers of just being out in mixed gender events, you know, sort of being out um, among, amongst large crowds and sometimes not feeling comfortable, especially our place in the world with, you know, Islamophobia being um, more prevalent in the past and Muslim women just not really feeling comfortable. So that was a a lot of the initial reaction that I got from other Muslim women that I talked to, you know, about their hesitancy to joining, you know, some of these uh, race race events or just going out for a jog, in, you know, in our neighborhoods. Um, but I just kept persisting because I knew that um, part of the barrier was just seeing other people like you, just with Black Girls Run. So, you know, I would just say, hey, let's go out and let's go for a walk on the trail. It'll just be me and you. Mm-hmm. And, and then I would take a picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would take a picture. And then I would post that on, you know, my social media account, be it Facebook or Instagram, and just say, hey, you know, me and my friend, we went out for, you know, a, a 30-minute walk today. And just that picture was just so powerful at seeing someone else like you. Mm. Um, and it began to catch on. So week after week, um, I would, you know, continue to meet with my run partners, and I would invite, you know, a Muslim woman, an- a- another Muslim woman. And then the next thing you know, more and more women began to come out. Um the organization itself kind of started, um, by happenstance. So my intent wasn't to go out and create a a different group, um, or create a run in organization, but just seeing it grow and seeing how many people just needed that motivation or that inspiration to get out there. And as you know, with social media, you can reach the world. Mm -hmm. Um, so I began to get, you know, comments or inbox from people in other locations, you know, as you mentioned in Detroit or in DC or in Seattle and say, Hey, well, I'm here. I'm running all alone. You know, I need that type of support too. And so I decided, let's go ahead and create sort of just, you know, a group that where we can give each other virtual inspiration. Um, in some cases, We have clusters of Muslim women in in large metropolitan areas like Dearborn or Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. In other cases, you may be in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're the only one like you. So I created the group. Just as an inspiration to give that those lone runners um, or you know small communities some support, virtual support, and then you know it just get, continued to grow um, into a point where me and my other two co-founders felt that we should really probably you know create a group um, and and make sure that we're supporting the the women um, in the best way that we can. Nice.
2: So, in terms of that support, kind of on a practical level, do you all go on group runs? Is it Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that all the chapters have in common?
0: Sure. So all of the chapters, we, we, we definitely try to get together on a weekly basis and, ha- and go on group runs. Um, I would say here in the, in the Raleigh-Durham area where the Muslim is on a Run started, uh, we do that probably, it, we, we are fairly consistent with doing that on a weekly basis. In other areas, it may be um, less frequent, um, it may be on a monthly basis. And it's not always centered around running. Um, we have our group in Baltimore where they they actually get together and they go they do a group workout. Sometimes that workout is walking or running. Sometimes that workout may be Zumba or something you know okay. that, that you know that meets the needs of those uh, women in that area. In um, all of our chapter areas, you know we establish you know weekly um, or, or monthly group activities where the local folks can take part of that. We also try to annually get together um, and do a national meetup. Mm -hmm. And that's just to get kind of give support to those folks that may, you know, they may be an area where there isn't a local chapter, but they still feel the connected, you know, the connection to Muslims on Iran. They they feel the camaraderie, you know, that we we hand out over social media. Uh, We try to kind of publish a race calendar. So for all a lot of our runners that travel, such as myself, I travel a lot for races. So when I'm coming into a new city, we'll arrange meet you know, meetups um so that the women in that local area can at least meet with some of the members of Muslimas on a run and get a group running together. Um, But our national annual meetup is always great. It's a blast because it Mm -hmm. allows people to kind of, you know, really feel that interconnectedness with the group. Um, And it's obviously fun traveling to different places and meeting people and then just hearing a little bit more about, you know, what may be their struggles in their local community, which may be different, you know, depending on where you're at.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So on the Muslima's website, the two rules of, um, kind of group interactions are everyone is expected to participate and uphold a positive attitude, which is Mm -hmm. a great rule for work or family life. But talk to us about how that directive fits into the sisterhood goal of your group.
0: Sure. And I think when we talked about my my co-founders, um Rachel Dan, um who's still very active with the group, and another co-founder, Darietta Lee, who's since retired from the, the leadership role of the group, we you know, we talked long and hard about when we decided to formalize the group. I don't think I mentioned, but we have been running together, a small group of us, maybe 10 to 15 of us women, um, for probably about a year Mm -hmm. before we decide to formalize the group. And we said, let's kind of, you know, talk about what we want to get out of this group and how not just we individually will get something out of it. How can we impact our communities? How can we make this a beneficial thing um, besides the obvious benefits of better health for the Muslim community at at large? And so one of the things that, you know, and, and you guys know, this as runners you know runners could be such great people and running really has the ability to kind of break down artificial barriers you Mm -hmm. have runners from all walks of life you know different backgrounds you know different religions different ethnicities and you know running kind of is that common thread um even within the muslim community you have many different cultures you know islam is a religion that if it impacts, you know, where, where you have adherence to the faith from all over the world. So we, we, we have the common thread of practicing the same religion, but just about everything else could be different. Mm-hmm. We have different foods, you know, we eat different foods, we speak different languages, we have different do's and don'ts in terms of cultural taboos. Um, so the, all of those various things can come into play. And if you don't kind of uphold that positive attitude um, and set that as sort of a rule up front, it's easy to, you know, have those differences um, sort of get in the way of what we're trying to do. And that is build that sisterhood. So how can I make someone who was born in another country, speaks another language, dress, you know, uses a, a different style of dress, you know, eats different foods, How can I relate to that person besides we worship, you know, the same God? What other things can we make in common? And what other, you know, positive interactions can we focus on while we're running? So we, you know, that's kind of, that that was our goal when we we stated out that we we we're not going to get together and talk about, you know, our differences. We're going to get together and sort of bond on what makes us the same. That's right.
1: awesome. That's awesome. And you mentioned, um, cultural taboos in that. And, and earlier you had mentioned, um, about running in mixed gender crowds. So yes. could, could you kind of, uh, um, could you kind of talk about some of those things that, sure. um, you know, I think there are, there are certain concerns for Muslim women that, you know, just your run of the mill Protestant white chick doesn't encounter when she, you know, thinks right. about a race she's going to run or what she's going to wear when she heads out the door.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's um it, because of the multicultural dimension there and and the you know the way Islam, you know Islam is a, a pretty diverse you know in its practice, Mm -hmm. in in that you have just this Christianity. You may have people that are, you know, very conservative in their thought and their approach, and then people that are not as conservative. So, for example, um, you know, let's just take the hijab or the Mm -hmm. dress. Mm -hmm. While there are clearly guidelines on what the hijab means, or what the hijab should do in terms of its purpose, um, the way that's implemented could change, um, just because you have people who, you know, are very conservative, you know, they want to wear the headscarf in addition to a long abaya which is sort of an outer covering um that comes let's say down to the ankles where someone else may choose to wear you know a shirt that comes to her knees someone else may choose a shirt that just comes to their waist Mm -hmm. someone else may decide that i'm not going to adopt hijab i'm Mm -hmm. still muslim i still have the same you know uh, uh beliefs but i don't adopt the hijab and so being a muslim woman could look five, 10 different ways when it comes Mm -hmm. to people hitting the pavement. Um, so and in, so that's one aspect. The other aspect, as you pointed out, um, mixed gender events. You know, a lot of Muslim women who have adopted a very conservative um, approach to how they interact with the general public um, may not feel comfortable in a, a, a gathering where, you know, they're running, you know, they're, you know, right neck and neck or hand in hand or not hand in hand, but, you know, mm-hmm. elbow with, mm-hmm. uh, with men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, perfectly fine, but everyone doesn't have that same um, sort of approach. And then when you talk about cultural taboos, you know, if you're from an area where that is, you know, never done in some societies, some um, Muslim societies, the men and women have their own facilities. You know, you can go to, I uh, traveled to the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and their facilities for for women are just awesome. You know, for every, you know, lifetime fitness, you know, you have a woman's side, you have a men's side. So you I can abandon my dress because there are only other women around, mm. I can feel comfortable, I can run on a treadmill, I can do head flips. But in <laughs> our society, you don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have that separation. So I may not feel comfortable coming from an area where I can kind of be totally free and fancy. And then now I have to worry about, you know, being in a crowd with men and not feeling as comfortable because I'm, I'm you know, I've adopted a more modest way of living. Um, so those are the type of, you know, things that do come into play. And I'm, I'm hoping Muslims on a Run can be just a unifying factor and understand there's a place for everyone in this organization. There's a place for someone who feels, you know, very uncomfortable and um, wants to, you know, kind of stick to a more conservative way. And and we we actually sometimes target women only races for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a place in our organization for people who, hey, I don't care, my teammate, he's a guy, I'm high fiving, we're running hand in hand. And, you know, we're just having a ball. So we're not here to really guide people spiritually about their personal choices. We're here to help them enhance you know, their, their, you know, their lifestyles uh, without um, any discomfort um, that they would otherwise have in other settings. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed that you have a t-shirt on your site that reads pray Mm -hmm. fast, run, repeat on the back. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a runner who's continuously hungry, especially (laughs) if I'm running any (laughs) real distance. Um, How tough is it? to fast during daylight hours, uh, during Ramadan and log any miles to us, or do you just not? <laughs> yeah. run?
0: No, actually, I'm, I, I love that question because I, I've just been running since 2012. The first year that I started running, I've been fasting obviously for much longer than that. And Ramadan is actually up, upon us. I, next week oh, I we'll be starting our 30 day fast. Yeah. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. So the first year, um, so in, just in terms of fasting in general, you know, this is, you know, fasting every year is, is one of our pillars of faith. Um, it is difficult, like, as with anything where you're suppressing your desires, you know, your inner desires um, for a greater purpose. Um, but it is something like all things that the body adjusts um and and it becomes less difficult as time goes on so for mm-hmm. for a person who's been you know fasting 30 plus years every year um for me it is not it is not obviously a mu- as much of a struggle as it has been now the days are long you know, oh, you know right <laughs> the more activity you have, the diff- more difficult it can become. The lack of um, proper nutrition can, you know, obviously make it more difficult. So what, I try- what I've been trying to do even before I started running was really kind of focus on those other things that I, la- I-, I lacked in, you know, getting proper sleep, you know, the night before and feeding my body appropriately so that it doesn't go into this ravenous state, you know, the next day when, mm-hmm. when, I'm, not- when I'm not able to eat. But from a running perspective, I, I actually went on the first um, run during fasting my second year of run, running. So that would have been 2013. And it was really a mind thing. I said to myself, well, you've never tried it before, although, you know, my mind is telling me you're going to die if you try to <laughs> fast and run. Um, I and, and I said, you know, well, let's try it. And I actually went out and talked to some other runners before I did it, other Muslims that have you know, been fasting and running, you know, be it because they're athletes. Um, We have lots of professional athletes that are Muslim that, you know, fast and deal with this every day. So I just kind of went out and talked to some other folks and said, you know, how do you manage it? And I was given, you know, tips and tricks of how to do it. And I surprised myself that first year, you know, I I just said, let me go out and try it. And I I was able to do, you know, many two to three mile runs, um, probably an hour before sundown, which is, I, you're able to eat and drink after sundown. Right. So I would mm-hmm. time it so that there wouldn't be a long time between when I finished my workout and, and did, um I was able to eat. And that first year I was, convinced that, you know, my body can handle it. There were no negative, you know, effects of it. So while I do cut back on running, obviously during Ramadan, I no longer exit out. And and last year, Muslim is going to run as an organization. We actually put together a campaign called Get Fit for Ramadan. Right. And the purpose of that campaign was to say, hey, we know we have to fast every year. We still have to work out and, you know, maintain our bodies. What can we do to prepare our bodies? for Ramadan so that we don't go dark, you know, for 30 days right. and we don't lose all of our fitness gains. And that was pretty successful. And many more women are out there now running and fasting at the same time, or at, at least adapting their workout routine so that they don't go back to the couch, you know, right. for 30 right. days. Um,
1: yeah, uh, That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, so final question. Um, if you can share a story of a friendship or a connection made via Muslimas on the run that really stands out in your mind.
0: Oh. I have many, but okay.
1: I'll just share one. You could <laughs> no. you cheer two. We could I'll go with two if you want. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um I would say the first um, story I would like to share is a woman who, another Muslim runner who, um, at the time we met through social media, um, she was active in running, um, but she was not active um, in wearing hijab, and that's mm-hmm. the Muslim um, style of dress for the for the women. And um, I I would post my pictures uh, as you know as I stated um, mm-hmm. of me running, um, it, you know, with my hijab, and I would post them in different groups that obviously weren't meant just for Muslim women, and I had this one woman reach out to me she lived in uh, Houston Texas which as you know hot, you know hot all the yeah. time hot so, yeah hot humid I mean, yeah reached out- yep. <laughs> She reached out to me and she said, how could you, ma- how do you manage running and, and those, you know, clothes? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's hot where I'm at. And, and while I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, it's not as hot as Texas. You know, let's just face it. Once you get above 70 degrees, it's all relative. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're hot. <laughs> you know, so what, yeah, 70, 80, 90, <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're just hot. So she reached out and she just asked me questions and I, you know, I had the same sort of conversation I'm having with you that about the body adjusting, of course it's hot, but it's after a while, you know, you're not going to pass out. You're not going to die. I mean, mm-hmm. provided you still hydrate, you know, you're not going to pass out things of that nature. And I gave her little things that I did, you know, kind of putting together things to make it cooler for me um, using sort of tennis skirts as a makeshift, you know, um, outfit that would mm. still keep me covered, but keep me cool. Um, and so she said she would try that. She did, obviously. She was successful. She actually uh, followed up with me months later to say, you know, by the way, you know, thanks for your tips. I just started wearing my hijab while running. Um, my performance hasn't went down. In fact, my performance has improved. She got Ooh. faster. Oh, nice. Um And the best thing about it for me was that she said, now that I don't have, you know, I was able to do this, I decided to adopt the dress full time. So Mm. not only, you know, was she, you know, able to keep running, she decided. I'm going to wear hijab not just on the payment but off the payment as well. So that really was a, a you know heartwarming story for me. It was actually kind of shocking because I didn't expect it. You know, mm-hmm. social media has the uh, ability to impact people's lives beyond what we even think, mm-hmm. you know, when we're having these interactions. So it was very very powerful for me.
1: It also kind of speaks to the power of running that that it makes women stronger in all facets yeah. of their life you know. And And if you
0: have time, I just want to tell one more. Oh, yeah, no, love
1: to love to hear one. Please, please. Yeah.
0: Um, My mother, who is also a Muslim, um, she actually um, started walking. She said, you know, this running thing, that's just too much for me. Mm -hmm. I'm an old lady. I'm never going to do that. But I'm going to (laughs) start walking. (laughs) Uh Uh Um, And she said, I'm going to, try to get some of the, you know, older women from my mosque to walk as well. And one of her motivations was that, you know, five times a day, we actually make prayers that mm-hmm. requires you to, you know, bend and kneel and prostrate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Similar to, you know, when you do yoga, you may see someone doing these, you know, moves, you know, Muslims, you know, our prayers require all of that stretching and bending. So it can be very difficult for someone who's overweight, number one, or someone who's just simply not in shape, you know, their are mm-hmm joints are achy, or they they have bad knees, or they're putting too much weight, Um, they have too much weight on on their body, so it's, you know, they have to sit in chairs Mm -hmm. to to make the prayers. Um, Yeah. So my mother, she started walking, and um, at some point she progressed. I want to run now, so she would do a little run, walk, run, walk, run, walk. And while her group did not progress to the running part, she said um, after about three months, at least three of the women that used to have to sit and pray in chairs um, could now stand up and actually perform, okay. you know, all of the prayer rituals. So, and that was, and when she told me that, I said, and she she actually said to me, "Keep doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, because it's really making a difference." And I never thought I would hear that coming from my mother's, you know, mouth, who <laughs> would say, "Would you stop running? You know, all these miles, you're going to kill yourself." <laughs> so that was very incredibly powerful um, and very, and that was when I realized the power that, you know, something like Muslims on a Run can have, not just from a health perspective, but from a spiritual perspective, it can really enhance lives on, on multiple levels. So mm-hmm. I was very proud at that time. Oh, that's
1: wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Monica. We really um, it was enlightening and very interesting. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me.
3: Welcome, Doa. Thanks for having me.
2: So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Kind of where you live, how many kids you have, all of that kind of stuff.
3: I live in Portland, Oregon, and I have two kids, um, a boy in seventh grade and a girl in fourth grade.
2: Mm. Uh, Do you work outside the home? Do you work inside the home?
3: Um... No. little of both. <laughs> Wherever the work needs to get yes. done. <laughs> um, I volunteer a lot, but I'm not working.
2: Well, nice. volunteers work. Right?
1: You know. So so please tell us a bit about your running. I know earlier this month I got to witness you both before and after your first ever half marathon. Yeah, and we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs>
3: so, but uh, how long have you been running? What got you started? Mm-hmm. Was it Cindy? Uh, kind of and other friends. So I started running just a little over four years ago. And the reason was, I guess there are a couple reasons. One was I stopped my membership at the gym, was looking for a new gym and started walking around because I always loved walking. I used to walk with my mom a lot around the tracks when I was younger. So um, from there, because we have some slopes around the neighborhood, so I started running down slope. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I had my first smartphone, and I had seen my friends posting on Facebook through oh. their running apps, like I ran so and so. So it just started like that. Right. And then now I'm, I think I'm addicted, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I just love running. That's okay. Running. We,
2: we understand. <laughs> we feel well. Yes. yes. Um, so I am a runner who is also kind of chronically warm. Um, and I was just in Florida, and the idea of even... Covering more than my body that I absolutely had to just makes me kind of wilt a little bit. Um, how do you think about dressing when you go out for a run? What do you need to cover? How do you keep yourself cool? And just how do you go about it?
3: Okay so I have been covering the wearing the hijab since I was 12 years old so that would be 16 years old I know everybody now will calculate my yeah, yeah, yeah. my age but that's <laughs> I fine that's I don't care like both Sarah and I. <laughs> <laughs> Um so I'm I'm used to it and um uh and I always think that when it's too hot it's just too hot for everyone kind of and of course I wear light like cotton um T-shirt, and pants. But so so you definitely... uh, I have to to cover everything except my hands and my face. Mm -hmm. So that's including head, hair, neck, Mm -hmm. and everywhere else. Mm
1: -hmm. And then what sort of fabric is it because um I gotta say when you finish your half marathon you weren't like totally drenched in sweat like you didn't have like if I wore if I wore a headscarf mine would look like you know a towel after uh, getting
3: out of a pool or something like why 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 is it not like soaking wet yeah it's um I think it's a mix of cotton and maybe some synthetic um Mm -hmm. material but the t-shirts were that tech t-shirt mm-hmm. right. from mm-hmm. one of the Coast Plus event races. Mm-hmm. That's the t-shirt I love the most, which brings me to the tricky part is finding a long um, sleeve shirt mm-hmm. that's good enough for running. Oh. Right. Sometimes I have to do two layers. So I do the thick t-shirt, the long sleeve because it's very, very light. And then I put like a half sleeve, longer shirt. Because right. a tricky part for me is also the t-shirt being long enough, like kind of past the buttocks like covering part of the Mm. hips which is not easy to find so oh that's a good yeah and and is that just is that just
1: like is that part of religion that you feel that way or that's just oh so the
3: hijab as far as i understand it is is not just covering Mm -hmm. it's also being a bit loose Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. this loose part varies from one Mm -hmm. muslima to another Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um it should be the looser the better kind of but so anyway so that's why it's hard to find loose pants and kind of loose long t-shirts too Mm -hmm. so that could be a challenge to running could
2: you do kind of a wrap on your lower half like wear pants no i just
3: found which was very strange a couple of um, long t-shirts at nike a couple Mm -hmm. years back and Mm -hmm. i got a couple of those because it's hard to find long Mm t-shirts so i wear them they're half sleeves so i have to put a layer beneath in the winter it's easier i find some long um i would say sweat sweaters that I can put on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I would say for maybe for some others, it would be harder because they prefer to wear longer and looser than me. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. some, it might be easier because they might be less concerned about that. So it, it's like a range. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. And then this is because uh, I am such a heavy sweater. Do you
1: keep a separate headscarf for running? And then other ones. I mean, you're wearing a very pretty off-white one today. Yes. I assume you do not run in that.
3: Yeah, I usually wear the wrap ones. I wrap scarves um, on my daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every day. But with running, I have sort of like, like a one piece that you wear. Like it's easy and breathable, so it's different. Yeah, I wear different. Yeah, ones it almost for running. seems
1: like a, a buff or like a, not of? a not a like a loose balaclava or something yeah, like that that covers your head. It, def- it definitely looked. Um, it's not as fashionable as and what you don't need now. like
3: any pins or mm-hmm. anything right it's just you just wear it and yeah mm-hmm. and you're it's done. like elastic so it stays
1: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but you still haven't gotten to the part about why you weren't sweating like a you know, <laughs> like uh, yeah nicely. i know <laughs>
3: <laughs> i'm not sure if it's part of it, it's just getting used to it i really don't know biologically uh-huh. what's, <laughs> what's the reason
1: <laughs> um and since since we are talking about your race tell us about how that went and um and you know, uh, spoiler alert, you did have, you were seen by medic afterwards, because it was such a hot, sunny day. I mean, I was working a booth there, and it was tough just being in the booth. Yeah. So um, do you feel any of that was because of being all covered up? Or that was just?
3: Uh, It was warm. And although I lived in warmer places Mm -hmm. around the world, but I don't know why running in the warm weather isn't for me, it seems. So I ran 12 miles a couple weeks before my Mm-hmm. half and I was totally fine mm-hmm. I didn't even had a sip of water but it was earlier in the morning mm-hmm. so it was cooler so uh, I would say maybe the weather uh, I don't I'm I can't tell if it's the way I'm dressed or not because sure. I haven't tried the other way around but I don't think that's the major part I think mm-hmm. maybe I didn't hydrate enough mm. a couple of days before maybe just the yeah mm-hmm. maybe just the heat mm-hmm yeah, cause means- And also I push the pace So I think the combination of the heat And pushing the pace on the race day Yeah, got me yeah. And so I think next time I have to just be more cautious with hydrating Not just the day before Maybe three to four days before mm-hmm. Watch what I eat so. And actually maybe refueling along the race Because I don't do oh. that So I should start training for that
1: I know you indicated that you didn't take anything in. Is yeah, it? Yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna have to, I sh- like gonna have to be- shake
3: a finger at you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I learned like beyond. Uh, I would say 90 minutes of running you definitely have to eat something. something yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
2: We yeah. might even say past 75 minutes.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. some of us who are a little bit larger need a little bit more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, good lessons learned then. And, yeah. And, and then, sure. and, I mean, you, you sat in the shade and we got you something to drink and it wasn't like you had an IV in your arm or anything yeah, like that. I was yeah.
3: fine. Like 15 minutes later, but thanks for hosting me in your booth. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like an intruder. No, Sorry. No, 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 <laughs> no. I was pleased to be a part of it. Um, so, then do you have another race on your horizon uh not yet i think it's gonna be another half where i don't feel so bad afterwards <laughs> <laughs> but we'll target a fall, wintery one for sure yeah yeah, we have a few of those. It might be a little cloudy, a little rainy. You can deal with that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so after I first met you, I just kept thinking about how tough it must be to be observant during the month-long observance of Ramadan and to continue running somewhat regularly. So um, we talked about this with our previous guests, but um, you know, tell us what practices you follow during Ramadan, like fasting and how it affects your exercise. Okay.
3: So fasting is basically a you don't eat or drink from dawn, which is at this time of the year, it's like 3.30 a.m. Uh, well, that's the thing here in Portland. I feel like we're almost in Alaska in terms of how yeah, light it exactly. is. And then all the way to the sunset, which is around nine. So that's exactly right. around 17 and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> not, oh. But who's counting, right? <laughs> right. I one, know. <laughs> and, and yeah, we don't drink even water because this is the question we always get. Not even water. Yeah, oh. not even water. Wow. So it's it get it, it's a lunar calendar, so it shifts ten days earlier every year. So, oh. At, oh, okay. like in thir- I mean in ten years, it will be I would say, I have uh, three four months earlier. So that's oh. gonna push it to the winter. So in the winter, it's very easy. Oh sure, because you wake up and have only a little bit of an early breakfast, and then mm-hmm. the dawn starts, and then you even have to eat before dinner time, which is mm-hmm. four thirty. So it's easy, perfect. Uh-huh. But then in the summer, it's just very long. Yeah. So I stop running. Oh, you do? Honestly, in Ramadan, yeah. Um, I basically stop exercising, but I just practice my life. So I run errands, and I mm-hmm. drop the kids, and I work around the home. So, mm-hmm. But I don't precisely exercise. Mm-hmm. Right. This year, I'm trying something different. I'll try just walking. Oh, uh-huh. But then the past four years, as I said, just completely stopped running, and then I gear up again after Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, take it easy. Just go for a mile or two and then go from there but then I think by like I would say um, a month or two later I'm back on track Mm -hmm. so it doesn't take too long Mm -hmm. yeah Um,
2: so you live in Portland which is a pretty progressive place yeah Um, but even there have you felt any anti-muslim sentiment or heard any uh, unfortunate comments while you've been out running or do you avoid certain areas when you're out
3: So honestly, I haven't experienced anything Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if it's, I'm sure Portland has to do with it, but maybe also the neighborhood that I live in. I actually get the opposite. I always get compliments Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I might, uh, I'm not sure if there are other hijabis running in my neighborhood. There are many who walk, but I get actually like, I, because I stand out, so I get strangers, mm-hmm. sometimes like the bank teller or right. someone I haven't <laughs> oh. met before. Oh, are you the lady who runs <laughs> uh, along Saltzman all the time?
1: <laughs> I'm sure people listening now are like, oh, that's her. <laughs> <family." Yeah. laughs> I know
3: that is. <laughs> so, um, but then when I went to the coast, like in this, I, I, Newport last summer... Nothing happened. I just avoided. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I, I had to think twice before heading out to run. I said, um, I don't think so. I don't think anybody knows me here. Mm-hmm. So I was worried. And uh, I get sometimes uh, when um, hate statements are on the rise, I get some advice from friends. Are you sure you want to run alone? I mean, mm-hmm. in the street I was like, no, I think we're fine in this neighborhood. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm not sure. Maybe in other places around the States, it's right. not as easy for other muslimas
1: yeah oh that's too bad yeah yeah so but i mean like when you run along the waterfront or something it's totally fine yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly so monaco is saying that some of the muslimas are uh stay away from mixed gender races was that the reason why the race you ran was a women's race is that why you chose it or no
3: oh no i ran um the Coast plus event Uh, since it started and it's a mixed race so I'm fine with that okay but I can't speak of all Muslim Mm women of course or all Uh (laughs) Muslims but we would like
2: you to so if you could really generalize no I'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally kidding
3: yeah so and
1: are there any other restrictions that we're sort of not thinking of or missing out on Uh,
3: I don't think so I think it comes to maybe preference but i have many of my friends they're not runners yet some just started jogging a little bit mm-hmm. maybe they're on their way to be runners mm-hmm. but they're they walk and they join me on Cos plus we have a team of around 30 last oh. year hopefully it will get bigger this year uh-huh. um we're supporting islamic relief usa oh, nice. uh, which helps in the states and outside with disasters and stuff so um yeah they they walk mm-hmm. in the race and it's a mixed gender race and they're fine
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. Hmm. So what advice do you give to any Muslim woman who might be listening to, you know, about thinking about taking up running?
3: Um, it's great. Go out and run. Yeah. I think it's yeah. I think there are more Muslims who run now. So it's yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And hopefully this will maybe push the sports um wear companies to oh, right. <laughs> right. start like making things that more suitable for us. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And are there any kind of pro-Muslimas that you look toward for like, I mean, Monica was saying that she sort of talked to some of them and asked what they were doing or looked up online what they were doing for Ramadan. I mean, is there any, I mean, I think everybody gets really excited when they see someone in the Olympics, say, who's, you know, wearing a headscarf for that sort of thing. I mean, do, do you feel like, do you relate to them or just like, mm. whatever? Oh, no,
3: I feel, I feel good, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I see others.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hey, and I know this has been a long show, so I'll make this quick. But want to really encourage you to join ACAS Plus, our new subscription program that allows you to support another mother runner for two ninety nine a month, and gives you. Special, exclusive content, as well as access to the complete back catalog of our shows. Which means, like, if you haven't listened to like episode sixty or seventy-two or whatever, um, because episodes one through one hundred are going to be behind a firewall, which is a fancy podcast term for you can't get it unless you're a member of ACAS Plus. So, to get this you have to download the free Acast app and Acast, in case you can't understand the word I'm saying is a C A S T like what you wear on your foot after you fracture it. Say for instance, a cast. Um, and then you search for another mother runner, or you can go to acastcom cast.com slash another mother runner. And that's where you can join Acast plus. And we really appreciate your support and to everyone. Many happy miles.